Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Giving Hope Podcast. This is season three, episode two, and today I have Erica Shubin and we talk about one of her viral posts that she um, shared a few months ago actually that took off about her children um, experiencing racism. We talk about that just a little bit but then we go into the heart of who Erica is and her family and her love for Jesus. So I hope y'all enjoy it. This is Hope with Erica. Well, welcome to the Giving Hope podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, I'm glad you're here. It's so fun. I'm excited. (laughs) Yes. Well, I... um, it also, I think it all started and triggered by the post that you made. I think that um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, I wanted to get um, my season three. You'll be in season three of, awesome. uh, of the Hope, uh, Give Me Hope podcast. So I wanted to make sure that we started off with a bang and no telling where we're going to be at in August. And I think it'll still be relevant because our nation's crazy right now. So, so uh uh i think this is going to be really really good i can't wait to get to know you uh so we'll just go ahead and get started yeah um tell us a little bit about yourself where you're from you know your family and all that stuff so people who don't know you will get to know you a little bit better absolutely sure i was born in montana but i grew up in oregon pacific Northwest. i met my husband at 11 when oh, he was 12. Wow. <laughs> We've been married 23 years. Nice. And we have five children, ages 23 to 13. We've mm-hmm. lived in four states wow. in those 23 years, but we would call Oregon and Florida home, nice. even though we currently reside in Colorado. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a, round, that's a round trip thing right yes, there. Yes, we have, we have lived many places <laughs> yes yeah but so what do you what do you do for a living and where do you i am actually an international travel agent and you can imagine Sweet. what the pandemic has um done for my business i yeah um, <laughs> i yeah. um also am still a stay-at-home mom my youngest two are 13 and 15 Oh, wow. to be 14 and 16 and I find that my kids probably need me more when they're older sometimes than even when they were little that's true um so I consider that I don't consider it a job I consider it um, an amazing opportunity that I am afforded right and I'm always dabbling in something I um am a recent oily convert so I'm seeing <laughs> oils on the side nice but mostly <laughs> just because I use them on the regular mm-hmm. for myself so mm-hmm. i um just decided that that might be a good thing to get involved in especially with all the craziness going on yes and um needing to utilize my time somewhere because right. <laughs> not working and um you know so always coming up with something creative and you know cultivating conversation with my kids i feel like is super important and right. can be yeah. a full-time gig so mm-hmm. yeah 
Momming so, is yeah. a full-time gig. That is. It is a full-time gig. <laughs> that is the truth. I have uh, my husband and I. We have a twenty-year-old and a fifteen-year-old, and and yeah, like you said, uh, the prayers get harder. The uh, the time gets more consumed, and uh, you become more hands-on. It seems the older they get than yes. when they're littler because when they're younger you can hand them like a coloring book and exactly. like put on some cartoons and you know pour a bowl of cereal and they're good you know for exactly <laughs> for talking about while. college and having to face really difficult decisions because we're yeah. in the middle of a pandemic that yeah those are a little bit more difficult conversations than you know what color socks you want to wear today so yes exactly we're tutu or no that. tutu yes exactly and <laughs> our oldest just got engaged this last weekend so we'll be wedding yeah. planning and wow. all of that mm-hmm. yeah so, so do you so do you you find i'm probably going to skip ahead on a few questions yeah, no, now that fine. we're in it do you find that with ha- you know having um children who are older because they are completely aware of what's going on. Do you find it harder to um, uh, not cope, but like move, navigate through conversations? Like, because, you know, with a, with a younger child, you can kind of just say, you know, it's just, you know, this world's kind of scary sometimes, but everything's going to be okay. You know, you just kind of code it over so you don't overwhelm them. But having older children, I, I think it, have you found it a little bit harder the conversations just trying to find the right answers and and have your kids formed any like opinions about what's going on that have been I would definitely say it's harder um I would also say that the questions are much more complex yes and I think that at least for us as parents we find ourselves saying we don't have all the answers I think right. that that's been really difficult. You know, you can give your little kids, you can usually answer their questions and they yeah. think you're the smartest person on the planet. <laughs> right. And suddenly when you're even wrestling through your own opinions and maybe even your opinions mm-hmm. don't match up with your spouse or your kids don't agree with you or, you know, things like that become a little bit more difficult right. and navigating those things without, you know, causing you know, familial breakdowns or things like that. Um, I think that is the part where it becomes a little bit more complex as well. Yes. So for us, for sure, we've had lots and lots of conversations Mm -hmm. um, and each kid is so different. Right. In how they, um, you know, assimilate information and, um, you know, take those kinds of things to heart. Some it affects deeper than others and maybe it doesn't right now but it will or there may be something that triggers Mm -hmm. um so I think that it's it is it's very difficult to come you know to and there's not really even a right or wrong answer on some things it's just right you know how you see it yes Mm -hmm. those are just the parts I think that become more difficult in parenting yes exactly because you have your own opinion a bit based on where you've come from. But right now it's so unknown that For sure. as a parent, when you're like, honestly, I have no idea, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I know this much. And this is what we've told our, our boys. It's like, 
I know it's scary what, you know, it's what's out there. Of course, our 15 year old, he's really good about, you know, he, all he cares about right now is video games and hanging out with his friends and going swimming and stuff. And it's a great distraction for him. Our 20 year old who's working and, you know, has to wear a mask. He delivers pizzas right now. And so he's going to people's homes and he's interacting with people every day. And it's harder to relieve that worry off of him because he sees it day in and day out. Um, exactly. Because we, I'm like, I, I'm like, but I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, but all I do know is that, you know, we're sticking together, <laughs> you know, we're, we're in this together and at least you have a safe place to come to at the end of the day that if exactly. you just need to just detox from the world, you're, you got it. You got that place you know, here with us. And I think that's helped quite a bit. And we don't necessarily talk about it unless they want to talk about it. That's the other thing. Yes, Do you, for sure. Yeah. We don't yeah. want the heaviness of the world to encompass all of our choices, but we also recognize the heaviness and want mm -hmm. to be available at yeah. any time. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the heaviness, um, what f uh, led me to you was your post about your children and during the after the George Floyd situation and um, you shared your heart about uh, what your was it your younger two? Experience, yeah. Yes. Had experienced when they were just basically trying to find a job just a little in jobs around the neighborhood. So what, um, what brought you to share that? Cause so many people have experiences, but they don't, you know, want to that kind of spotlight because it welcomes, as you have seen both positive and negative. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, opinions. What, what spurred you on to, to share your story and um, how does, how has that impacted your life since then? Honestly, I think, um, you know, when it first happened, mm -hmm. I was paralyzed. Like it wasn't really something I even wanted to talk about or right. um, relive. Mm -hmm. And I think I was in shock for quite a while. Right. And, you know, my son is, he's just a champion for justice and he's <laughs> very well-spoken and um, he's, he just has an amazing heart. And so he had told me, mom, I think you need to I think you need to write it. I think we need to talk about it. Like this is not something that should happen to anybody else. We need to talk about it. And I said, I will buddy. I'll, I'll, I'll write it one day. Okay. And, um, but the weight of that reality, I think, I didn't really feel like it would go viral. Right. I just wasn't sure what the response would be. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think my heart could take negativity. Yeah. Um, because it just, it was so personal. Right. And so when everything happened with George Floyd, um, you know, my kids were like, mom, we need to talk about what happened. Did you ever, did you ever talk about that? Because I feel like, people understand it just happens to regular people too. Right. And right. there was so much publicity about that situation and then completely, you know, um, 
dogging, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. George Floyd's, you know, personal life and his choices yeah. that maybe weren't the best and mm-hmm. and things like that. And my son and, you know, our family stance is that it doesn't matter. He still was not treated like a human being and he wasn't treated like Jesus Correct. would treat him. And right. so, and what, you know, should be the standard for police officers. So that was kind of that whole conversation spurred it. And he just said, mom, are you going to share? Are you going to share? And I was like, I'll do it, buddy. I'll do it. And I just had a heaviness that I was not using the voice that God had obviously allowed circumstances to happen. And if my kids wanted it out there, then who was I to keep that um, quiet? But I really wanted it to be, I wanted my heart to be in the right place. Right. And I wanted it to be um, from a place of not only humility, but also understanding and, but also wanting people to understand that it's not, this isn't something that just happens to other people. You know, it happens right. to normal right. people in normal neighborhoods and regular families, multicultural right. families. Yeah. And so once I got to writing it and it was not easy to put mm-hmm. that all to paper, but once it was done, it just felt so raw. It, it even took mm-hmm. me another 24 hours to finally post it. Oh, wow. Because I, a lot of things are so politicized and I didn't want it to become that. Right. Um, and I knew that just within our own family, that it would be not our immediate, but you know, just extended family, that there would be a lot of different opinions and mm-hmm. it would be hard to take because we hadn't told anybody. Oh. Um, we had a very tight circle of friends that knew, a few adoptive families that knew that, mm-hmm. you know, just because we needed the support at the time. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, none of our extended family knew. And so I knew that that would be another hurdle, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to work through that, I guess, would be the best way to put that. Right. Yeah, it's hard to, I've noticed, um, to separate it as this is a human experience. This isn't, like you said, it's not a political stance. This is humanizing a truth that is happening to a population of people. Yes. And and to interpret that and to set it aside, it's like, okay, set aside what side of the aisle that you vote on. It doesn't matter. These are people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're right. and they're children and they have a, a heartbeat and God loves them. And we need to understand that because if we don't, then we are, history is going to repeat itself. Yes. In in more ways than one in in way more ways than one. So, I mean, have, whenever your family found out about it, you know, did they, was it a mixed reaction or what? Did Very they, much so. Oh, wow. Some super supportive, some silent. Mm. Um, I think the silence was the hardest. Yes, I was about Um, to say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely the hardest. Um, And I think that it's just a partly shock, disbelief, not knowing what to say. And then, you know, probably some political opinions in there, too. Right. but the, for the most part, the people, I mean, obviously the response was very positive for the most part. Um, but of course there's always a few that are negative. 
Yes, of course. <laughs> we just chose to leave that all out there um, mm -hmm. and kind of just let other people handle it. We yeah. didn't feel like there was a couple things I responded to, but for the most part, not really. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it didn't feel right. So we just let it be. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it handled itself, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it took so off. Like <laughs> it did, and that was not a didn't that was not something that I expected. My older mm -hmm. two children were not surprised at all. <laughs> um, but it was it was humbling, and it was really neat to see. Um, obviously, I couldn't follow all of the shares, but to see some of the the responses and the shares and people that I you know hadn't even spoken to in years reached out and that was neat to see yeah. um, and I think it was really um, healing for my younger kids too mm -hmm. that you know their their story was validated their experience was validated yeah um, they were really really happy that it brought a lot of conversation and awareness mm -hmm. um, and the things that have just happened within our own home and then just with you know friends that hadn't thought about things like that, hadn't thought about what our life sometimes is and the things that we deal with. Um, it just brought it kind of full circle in a tangible way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in that regard, it was super positive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, when I shared it, um, a friend of mine shared it. I don't remember who did out of uh, the friend's, um, I don't know if we have a mutual friend. I don't know how we have a mutual friend. I don't know how we know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't either. That is just the weirdest thing. When I looked at your page, I was like, do people friend you just because of the story or were we actually mutual some friends? People, some people did. And I'll be honest, I didn't accept all of them. Mm -hmm. If we didn't have something in common. Right. I mean, I don't, have I don't a blame you. Tight, <laughs> yeah. I don't have a super tight Facebook mm -hmm. because of the nature of what I do for a living. Right. And so a lot of times clients are, you know, my friends um, on Facebook. So I don't, I'm not really tight about it. But mm -hmm. with something like that, I was a little bit more cautious just because mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I didn't know if they were coming just to snoop yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't oh, that no, I wasn't going to be yeah. open, but mm -hmm. I also didn't want to put, I didn't want to open it up for a debate. So if we had mutual friends, of course I allowed it. If they reached out to me, you know, personally by private message, then I mm -hmm. would accept their friend request. Cause I thought if they're going to that extent, then, you know, that's good. Yeah. I, I met some really great friends through that, like really good conversations of people mm -hmm. that just saw my share or saw it shared somewhere and wanted to, to have a further discussion. And so mm -hmm. that part was really neat. And the people that took the time to do that, they, um, I did friend them or they friended me and I would, you know, yeah. connect that way. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. When I shared it, um, a lot of people, of course it opened up a discussion for me to talk about, for people to ask me, like, what is your yeah. experience? What is your, what is your experience? Cause I live in, in the small East Texas town, about 3,500 people. And, um, it is, it is, um, segregated. It is definitely wow. segregated. Yeah. It's one of the very, um, 
um, predominantly white counties in Texas that is not normal. It's like 98% white in the whole entire county. Um, And um, we actually have a neighborhood in our town that is set aside just for the black people in our town. Um, There's there's a few people that live here and there, but you never see them. You barely ever um, come in contact with uh, with them. So um, whenever I shared your story, it opened up a huge door for people to ask me, well, is this true? Have you experienced stuff like this? Like, is this is this real? Because you are coming from a middle class family, upper middle class family, you have adoptive children, you have like an American dream type situation. And it seems like everything should be hunky dory, perfect. You know, of course, everybody's going to accept you because you have beautiful children. But it's like, that's not always it. Because ugly will find you. (laughs) Yeah, for Uh, sure. Ugly finds people because, you know, I always say like the enemy of God doesn't want there to be peace. He doesn't want there to be, you know, people to live in harmony. He loves division. And wherever he can find it to destroy someone's life, he's going to do it. Um, but it did. It opened up a huge dialogue for people around me in this area. Of course, I'm biracial. My dad's black. My mom's white. And I'm married to a white man. And our sons, biological, both of them, are ex- very Caucasian. <laughs> looking. Yeah. Uh, one, Our 20-year-old is blonde-haired, tall, tall, blue eyes. You know, he just, he looks like his daddy. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I know. No, it, it, People always, when they see us, they always think, Nicholas is Ryan's and Aiden is mine because Aiden looks just like me, but he has very Caucasian hair, but he has my face. So, um, so he looks like ours kind of together. And then Nicholas was from like his first marriage, but that's not the case. I birthed both of those boys. And, um, so coming from my perspective, you know, of I've watched racism all my life. I've seen it all my life. It is not something that is just for the civil war era It is not just for the civil rights era it is all the time because people deal with hate you know it's just it's just you know it's a product of sin nature you know it's just how it is um but it's not something that should be buried or not spoken about it needs to be addressed or stuff like what happened to your children happens you know that this it needs to it needs to be brought to light so people can understand that this is this is something that's in the heart of your neighbor the neighbor you go to church with and you don't realize that they might have a problem with a black person sitting next to to them in on in the pew at church but they but they but they do and then when something like this happens and you see that this is the heart of that person it needs to be addressed it needs yes. to be, it needs to be prayed about. It needs to be talked about. It needs, the churches need to address it. Um, are, are y'all, um, a part of a church in your town? Like that has been, um, a, we moved to Colorado a little over a year ago, actually mm-hmm. a year and a half now. And we had a really rough transition, just a lot of personal family things that had gone on mm-hmm. that, um, made that first year really difficult. Um, so we had been kind of doing the church hopping thing Mm -hmm. and have gone to a couple different ones and then the pandemic hit and (laughs) we did church at home. So, um, there was, what's interesting though, is through this 
process and actually um, sharing our story, a church that we had stayed in their community groups and hadn't been super regular on Sunday mornings, but through that um, and their personal stance, the pastor and his wife on um, racial reconciliation in the church, Mm. we have had really good conversations with them and our community group. So um, that has kind of um, endeared and intertwined our hearts because of that um, that stance and um, mm-hmm. the sermons that he's chosen to preach from the pulpit um, and, you know, the hard conversations yeah. that we've had. Yeah. Um, and that their stance hasn't been popular. Um, oh, wow. And people have had a hard time with it in some ways. Yeah. Um, but it's important. I like you. We live now. That um, situation happened in Florida, but now in our community, it's the widest place we've ever lived. And I don't think I knew these kinds of places existed. <laughs> I that sounds, we, I mean, I grew up in um, a tiny farm town in Oregon. And mm-hmm. so there was a large Hispanic community and still is. So I grew up in a very diverse area. And then Florida was very diverse. We lived in Arizona before that, and that was very diverse. Mm-hmm. So Colorado is specifically this county, especially is not diverse. So we've had to hunt for it. Yeah. Um, but I think that when you live in an area that's not diverse, there's a lot of just a lack of knowledge for a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and people just have a hard time hearing it. Yeah. And so that's what we have found here is that people just have a really difficult time hearing the truth of that. Right. Yeah. I I agree. We've had we have had we have had a few pastors talk out against the racism in this town. Not as much or as long as I think they should address it. Um I think they should um honestly I think a lot of churches need to make it smaller groups instead of doing podium overlays um, right? because you know you can have someone sitting in the congregation being like mm-hmm, 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 and then go on and keep on living their life I always say it's like a history of abuse um, if you have a person uh, let's say you know a man who's beating his wife inside of the congregation if you don't address that man specifically then he will he can ignore the pleadings of you know husbands honor your wives you know, sacrifice yourself to church. Exactly. So, um, and he can just say, whatever, I know this is how I love her. But if he has been one-on-one confronted, then there's a, a, a duty or a, um, accountability that brings to light in a whole nother level. Um, this is, this is one of the, my heart's cries is that through the experiences from people everyday people just like you um, who don't live in the hood that they can't just ignore it and just say, well, that's because he lives X, Y, Z. It happens everywhere. Then it may, it forces people to have the conversations that who else feels this way? Right. You know, and it it, almost, (laughs) it gives credence to that reality. Right. You know, I think that's what, um, for me, what that 
post did and the reaction was made me realize my own um, complacency in not speaking up as often or, you know, when those types of things happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that was a harsh reality for me thinking that, you know, realizing my own, um, you know, how I could do better or, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And also I think it encourages other people to speak up too, because it makes it, you see the impact. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's just like any kind of destructive behavior. When you see someone close to you going through it, whenever I spoke up about the things that I experienced, I'm like, this isn't me saying reliving something that happened to my father who grew up in Alabama in the South. And so it's like in the fifties, forties and fifties and sixties, but it's me who graduated from high school in 96, who, you know, even though I married a white man, I'm still, I've, I've had people leave the aisles at Walmart because I was standing behind them, you Mm, know, and just, just crazy things like that. But whenever you make put a face on it, it, it shows people that, okay, we, we do have an issue here. We do. It might not feel like for a lot of people, it doesn't feel like it's as big as world hunger or climate change or whatever's on the deal. But these are, if it hurts somebody, it needs to be addressed, just like any kind of abuse, foster neglect, you know, whatever it it may be, mental abuse, treating um, the treatment of people with Down syndrome, whatever it is, or even in the gay community, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be dealt with so that people can truly honestly feel the love of Jesus because you're never going to truly accept unconditional love when you haven't been treated that way. You can't. Well, I think when you put a face like people that know you, people that know us and know our children, it resonates in a different way because Mm -hmm. they know them. They know you, they know me, they know our family, they know your family. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't think about it as happening to people that they actually know. And then, you know, how they view you and they love you. And so when they hear those things, it suddenly is a game changer and becomes something that they believe they need to advocate for. And I I do believe that's the root of change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. now a word from our sponsors. So during this time of quarantine and um, how have y'all coped even with going through the pressures and the emotional roller coasters of the racial unrest, adding quarantine, how have y'all fared through all this? Um, quarantine, I think, was a very big mental game. For Mm -hmm. all of us, Um, you know, going from working from home, working and, you know, doing our own things separately, the kids going to school and stuff like that and having all of that come to such an abrupt halt. And I suddenly became a homeschooling mom and (laughs) all of those things that, you know, I didn't really aren't really my (laughs) strong suit. (laughs) Um, I understand. I do. You know, it, we did it. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that that was, I feel like 
we accomplished much because we did it. Mm-hmm. And it became more of almost survival. Uh, mm-hmm. And not I didn't want to just survive. I wanted to thrive. Right. And so we had a lot of deep conversations. We had a lot of, um, you know, gave us opportunity to talk through a lot of really tough things yeah. because we had one another's undivided attention. Right. And I think, I think that just provided extra opportunity. We played a lot of games, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, it just, and, and we watched the world. We all, we watched the world go crazy quite <laughs> right. literally. Mm-hmm. And, and I think having open conversations is what kept us standing um, but I would say that it, it definitely took a toll and mm-hmm. we're working through, you know, a lot of those things. And now, you know, how do we navigate what's up next and right. how do we navigate going back to school? Do we go back to school? Do we keep doing what we've been doing? You know, how does all of that work mm-hmm. and what works best for our family? Right, um, right. But I think overall, as difficult as it was, I think that it was it was good, um, and we made the best of a rough situation. Yeah, I think it's either if you've already had that mindset of you know we're we're doing pretty good and we know how to handle the good times and the bad times. Uh, my husband and I um, own a music store and. Um, everybody was worried, you know, what are you going to do? Cause we're a very, very small mom and pop type store. And, and we joked about it. We're like, listen, Ryan and I know how to eat, live off of, and our boys do too, bologna and ramen noodles. So um, (laughs) when you own a small business, you know how to kind of cope a little bit. It has been a little bit of circuit. Of course we did, we did homeschool before Um, I homeschooled both of, of our boys, but um before the quarantine and all this stuff happened, but yeah, being able to have that making the lemons out of lemonade, you know, um, out of of the whole situation. But I agree. It gave us time to sit and talk about all the things that have been going on. So we were able to have more in-depth conversations than we had, you know, ever had before that it allotted us time to truly be able to spend, you know, reestablishing, okay, what are our goals as a family? What are we, what are, what are, what are we going to make out of this moment? What are we going to, how are we going to use this time? Um, And some, I mean, some people have been using it very productively and I've been like, wow, bravo, y'all are rocking it, rocking quarantine. But some people it's, it's, it's been, quite a quite a trial for you know to be able to stay positive through all this stuff because it life just life just hits you you know pretty hard but if I guess if you haven't had that um foundation of kind of family time quality time and that togetherness then it would be hard to kind of make it up out of out of nowhere you know exactly yeah so had y'all already been like that kind of family where y'all did game nights, you know, not like every night or like every weekend, but you know, y'all had some kind of yeah, we have, established. We have always had, we always eat dinner as a family around the kitchen table. We always mm-hmm. do 
high low you know that just spurs conversation mm -hmm. um so we just you know we just kind of had to add to our rhythms we played games every night pretty much during quarantine mm -hmm. or we also started a puzzle there was a lot of different things we did and just trying to keep you know morale up yes um but we we've always been pretty close-knit we've always done stuff i think the missing piece was we travel a lot just Mm -hmm. A, because of what I do for a living, but just because we love to travel. Um, right. So that was obviously curbed, and we had some pretty big trips planned. Our um, middle child graduated high school, and we go on a senior trip. That's our nice. gift to them. Uh -huh. So that was canceled. You know, graduation was canceled. All of right. that, which yeah. was difficult. Um, but I feel like everyone handled it with extreme grace. And um, just understanding that a lot of this stuff is just out of any of our control. Right. And that God is in control, even when everything else seems so chaotic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think clinging to those truths were really, really helpful for us. Right. Um, so I think that's just kind of, again, you know, you just make the most of a really cruddy situation. Yeah, it's so Still important. a lot of house projects. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. That has been the huge saving grace for us. We got our garage cleaned out. We got <laughs> we got exactly. a lot of stuff done. Things moved around that we needed to have a garage sale for sure. But um, but yeah, getting staying busy and productive has helped um, all the um, keeping our mind not from idling on all all yes. the what all the what if, what if the what ifs and everything. So yeah, that has helped out quite a bit. That is for sure. So um, what are your, do you have like just prayers for your family, you know, devotions that you have been doing to keep your faith up and positivity going during this time? For sure. Um, prayers. We spend a lot of time praying for our country. Yes. Our leaders, mm -hmm. um, whether we like them or not. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. The upcoming election and all mm -hmm. that craziness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just that God would put people in charge that would fight for justice and yeah. continue the work that he's already started. You mm -hmm. know, just in, um, you know, with even just the protests and mm -hmm. the action the call to action that's happened because of that yeah um, so you know pray for safety for people pray for the black community um mm -hmm. spend a lot of time just um focusing on what we can do um but even above that that even that god is ultimately the only one that can heal our land Amen. um so that so that's been huge and then obviously just my husband and I praying for wisdom as we raise black teenagers in this yeah in this climate in this kind of in this world um, yes and then just um you know praying not to be guided by fear um mm -hmm. we continue to speak up and um, be a light to others and I think to just praying for no um just humility and mm -hmm. to encourage that continued momentum of racial reconciliation yeah. to let it start with us. Um, yeah. And then just, um, 
you know, I think too, being in tune with your marriage, because if that's, I just feel like, um, especially pandemic has caused a lot of um, discord in marriages in that, yes, you know, that's has. the root of the family is, you know, so if mom and dad aren't okay, then the kids aren't going to be okay. That's right. So I think that's been huge too, just praying for marriages in general and that they would stay rooted in the word. Um, Cause I think that's a really, that seems to be an attack that's on the rise as well. Yes, I agree. I've seen that quite a bit. A lot of um, people reaching out and asking, I need you to pray for me, me my husband, pray for me yes. and our kids and my husband and the kids are because dad's, you know, still traveling or he drives a truck or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, yes, I, I completely agree. That is one of the many tools of the enemy that we, that causes another level of division because that's what he loves. Um, and is the family. So yes, for sure. Praying over your children and your marriage and your town and the schools, especially going into session. Are your, um, is, what is Colorado doing right now for their schools? Well, Are y'all going to be back in session? It'll be <laughs> interesting I know to y'all see. have some really, I have friends that live in Pueblo and uh, Colorado Springs. And it's been interesting listening to what y'all's governor has been. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we live in Douglas County mm-hmm. and we just got, actually just got back from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, but Douglas County broke away from the Tri-County Health basically because they want to do kind of their own thing. Oh, wow. And I haven't read up on t- all of it, but mm-hmm. from what I understand, at least right now, they're planning on going back to school. Okay. Just going back to school five days a week. So I don't know if they're going to follow. I assume they have to follow CDC guidelines. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we're at because that means smaller classrooms, no you know, extracurriculars, no leaving the classroom, same teacher, masks. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to put my kids through that. So we're kind of leaving right. it, you know, up to them. Right. Um, because it's not, honestly, they have to be on board with whatever we decide. Right. And with regard to, to that piece, because they're the ones that have to live it. Right. So exactly. Yeah. I don't really want to make a decision that they're not a hundred percent on board with and want to do themselves. Cause that's a lot to, it you know, is. I don't, me personally, I kind of want to keep them home, but I also <laughs> know that their mental health is important mm-hmm. and they both love school. So that's where it's, we have some pretty big discussions coming up just because of that. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not sure what it's going to look like. I don't feel like it's been super clear. Um, but as of right now, they plan to welcome everybody back. Yeah. Texas has been all over the place. Like <laughs> they have been, he has been all, Governor Abbott has been all over the place. But um, for the most part, I believe all the schools are going to be opening. Like the Texas schools are going to be opening in the fall. Um, some There's been some talk of if teachers want to do it via, or if kids, if students want to do it via Skype, they can or zoom or whatever, then they can, I guess I'll set up a camera in the classroom. I don't know. 
Um, but <laughs> that's one of the things that I'm glad that we're already in the homeschool vibe. So, and we only have one left in school and, um, he's already online school anyway. So, yes, you know, we don't have to, <laughs> that's like, Oh, thank you father. That my kids are so much older now that I don't have to worry about kindergartners, well, you know? Exactly. That's the tough part is because I don't think we would go with the school's online option because it was really difficult. The kids felt like they had way more homework, not enough teacher learning time. And so I would rather go with something. Um, My daughter that just graduated, she did an online school option because we moved her junior year and she didn't want to start over on the high school Mm. road and a new high school and all of that. So we did an online um, college high school option. Mm-hmm. which worked well. So I think we'd probably end up going that way if we keep them home. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. a lot to decide. Yes, there is. And what are the mandates for masks? And and they haven't been super clear. So our county isn't as picky as like Denver County. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I'm guessing they would require it in school. And I just don't know that my kids could do that for eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Are all your stores masks required and stuff? No, they're not in our county. Some, some are, and some aren't in our county. There, I don't think there's any it's recommended, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it's required. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's here in the state of Texas. It's required for everybody. Yeah. See Oregon and Washington. It's required as well. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Wow. It's, it's, it's just a new whole new world. It's, it's been funny watching, um, my husband and I went to Walmart this morning. Of course, we had to wear we had to wear masks and these little kids because you don't have to under the age of ten apparently. Oh, okay. And uh, these little kids were just you know looking at everybody as they were going by. You can just see the the look of what is what's why what you know my world what turned into yes. Yeah. And this little boy, he was just looking at my husband. He was just kind of looking at him. We're standing behind him, and I said. In my mind, I thought, I'm so sorry that we as adults have left this world like this for you. You know, like this is a normal, like you're not going to remember life before masks. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, like this is, there's going to be a whole generation that's going to grow up, not, you know, if Jesus doesn't come back before then, but if it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow yeah. up um, thinking masks are normal. We've always worn masks, you know, like remembering life before DVDs or you know, before exactly uh, CDs or cable television or iPhones or, you know, internet and stuff like that. So it's, it's a whole new world. And so, and then you have a whole new set of prayers that you have that you're exactly. praying over your kids, that their, that their mental state doesn't get worn down from the pressure of sickness and disease. And, you know, am I contagious? Am I not? Do I go here or do I not? Do I take this job because their requirements are horrible or not? Do I vaccinate or do I not? Do I, you know, exactly. it's just a whole nother level of pressure that we never really had to, had to go through that we, that ups your prayer life for sure as a mama. Exactly. For sure. You know, so what encouraging word would you give to your kids and other, especially other moms listening that are in the same boat of just, you know, how do I, how do I do this and not lose my mind up in here, up in here? 
<laughs> up in here for sure. Um, I would say the biggest encouragement, keep the faith. Mm-hmm. This world is not our home. Love others. Give yourself the space to process as needed because I feel like that just has become so necessary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So necessary um, in in everything that's going on. And I think yeah. sometimes we try and take it all in and we don't take time for ourselves right. to just process and to be, and to sit at the feet of Jesus. Um, reach out to a trusted friend if you are struggling. I think I cannot reiterate that enough. Just reach out. Don't stay silent. Um, don't let it become so overwhelming that, um, you know, you go to the depths of despair or you need um, help. Just reach out and talk it through um, with your husband, with a trusted friend, whoever, um, because most likely they're probably having a lot of the same feelings that you are. Right. Stay in the word. Pray when things get overwhelming. And again, just remembering that Jesus is still on his throne. God is still in charge. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world, even when it feels like sometimes it might be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really and truly, yeah. we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and God is, he's still, he's still there. He hasn't changed. As much as this world is changing and things are changing all the time, it feels like he hasn't changed. And I think I cling to that hope more now than ever mm-hmm. in um, just that he's still sovereign. He's still, he's still overseeing all of this. And he loves us endlessly and yes. I think that's um, that has been my my mantra amen yeah that's awesome so what as we go out what do you want your life's testimony to be that I loved God <laughs> yeah I loved others well yeah he gave generously and I always fought for justice amen that's a good one I like that I like that a lot. That's really good. Thank you so much, Erica, for joining me here. I appreciate you. Thank you for standing up for what's right and standing against what's wrong and being a voice for your children, for yourself, for Jesus, and just encouraging people with just your light. I appreciate you more than you know. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Hopefully we can do this again. And hopefully maybe someday we'll meet in person. We'll meet in person. Yeah. (laughs) That would be great. When we start traveling again, maybe we'll we'll do something. I would love that. Well, you have a blessed day. And thank you for keeping the hope alive. I appreciate you. Thank you. you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Sounds good. Bye. Now let's get back to our program. Thank you guys for listening to Giving Hope. Please be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see y'all next week.